0: Paul. Hey, Tony. So in two weeks, I am launching for my job a new podcast. Mm-hmm. It's called HR Storytellers. All right. It's about people telling stories about HR. Yeah. And you know I love to start our episodes off with a joke. Yep. And it's a good joke, but I feel like it's better if you hear this guy tell it, because his voice is awesome. It's booing he talks fast and in an engaging manner so you we're now going to hear a pretty good story with with a pretty good punchline uh to start off this week's podcast and then when it's over we'll laugh and talk about it for a moment
1: so i got a call from them one morning and they wanted me to uh come in to help them work with some of their new folks that were coming right out of the military so i got there and i sat down with the client and said, so what's the problem? I said, well, we, we, we think we have a culture problem with them. And I go, OK, so explain the problem to me. I said, well, um, we've got some problems with them coming to work.
2: And I go, oh,
1: that doesn't sound like something you'd have from someone coming out of the military. And I said, so what is it? They, they don't want to come here? Go, no, 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 they're showing up. And I go, well, what's the problem? Go, they're showing up too early.
0: <laughs> I just imagine walking up to a an office building and some some guys with you know who look like veterans just being like, hey, we, we already did all the work. Like where the hell were you? <laughs> so uh I thought that was that was pretty good, right? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So who's first on this week's show, Paul?
3: First up is Sub Radio. Here on Hometown Sounds.
0: Don't look down Welcome back to Hometown Sounds. We show you how DC shows up too early for work. I'm Tony Perreco.
3: I'm Paul Vodra, and that was Sub Radio with their new pop banger, 1990-something.
0: Sub Radio, the six-piece pop, pop punk leaning heavyweights from Sterling, Virginia. We have featured Sub Radio on the podcast on two previous occasions, and uh, they were both Christmas songs on our annual holiday episode. So, guys, congrats for uh, making it into like the regular show. Uh, <laughs> Sub Radio is embarking on a 21-date tour this November. It's not just any tour; it's the 1990 something tour. And you can catch Sub Radio for their DC date of the 1990 something tour on Friday, November. 25th at the black cat. Sub Radio are also a band who have been having a lot of fun in the parody genre space. Last month, they received a lot of attention for Stacy's Dad, their Cub on Bear rewrite of Fountains of Wayne's 2003 classic, Stacy's Mom. And on August 16th, the band sprung another parody gem on us with Dear Mario, Count Me In, a rewrite <laughs> of Dear Maria, Count Me In by All Time Low. Uh, in the social media video, the members of Sub Radio are each dressed as different Mario characters, including both Wario and Luigi,
3: <laughs> Love it.
0: Yep. Uh, and the immediate thought I had when watching their Mario video was, can you actually play guitar well while wearing large white gloves? Because I think they just catch on the strings and mute them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, there is a just a Mario adjacent fact, and that is, a, in Columbus, Ohio, there is a renowned eating establishment called Wario's Beef and Pork, <laughs> and uh, a, a condiment that they offer is oh, is Warriors Sauce.
3: Yes, <laughs> Tony, am I correct in understanding that you have joined the Sub Radio Discord?
0: I did, and. Uh... I'm, I'm new to Discord via some getting in on some Patreon Discords, and I was like, "Hey, Sub Radio's got a Discord," and I log on there all the time, and there's always like more than 200 people online. Wow! So uh, Sub Radio, the the buzz is real.
3: That's amazing. Wow. So Tony, what's been going on with you?
0: Uh, similar to Sub Radio, what's on my mind is all Mario all the time. <laughs> okay and it's actually completely coincidental Uh, i did a lot of thinking about mario this afternoon and then uh when i when i did a little google google to see what sub radio is up to i I found their their mario video so just like oh serendipity Mm -hmm. um so uh i want to begin with uh just sort of the fun item before we get into the more contemplative topics paul did you know that there is a uh mario movie in production that is uh has a release date of April 7th, 2023.
3: I did know this.
0: Yes. Uh, what else do you know about this movie, Paul?
3: Uh, is not is Chris Pratt in it?
0: Chris Pratt is Mario.
3: Yes, I knew it.
0: And the cast continues to be so perfect that you might say the only <laughs> criticism is that the cast is, is so perfect. Mm. Uh, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is Luigi. <laughs> Jack Black is Bowser.
3: Yep, nailed it.
0: Keegan-Michael Key is Toad. (laughs) What? Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. (laughs) Yes. And Fred Armisen is Cranky Kong, Donkey Kong's elder uncle, who we are first introduced to in Donkey Kong Country on the SNES. Mm, Classic. And what I can say, Paul, is that I bet that soundtrack is going to be incredible.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. If they know what they're doing. It will be. I
0: mean, it just—it's just, just going to be. I bet eight bet EDM. You know, It's going to be solid. Now, I think like the one question on everyone's mind is, what is the plot going to be? And actually, I would say above all is, what will the dialogue be? Because Mario characters don't really talk. They just kind of have signature exclamations, <laughs> right? <laughs> and actually, on the subject of like, wah. A fact that I learned uh, sometime in the last year or two is that uh when voice actors are, are recording those kinds of sounds like, wahoo, that those are referred to as efforts, <laughs> 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 which makes so much sense. Yeah, but uh now, totally. despite despite this very fun and intriguing development about the Mario movie, I was thinking about it this afternoon and Mario was actually the source of a, a lot of. Trauma for me as a kid. Mm. Uh So, and, and I have three Mario stories to share with you. All right. It begins with Super Mario Brothers 2. I was either five or six years old, and uh, I had an NES, and my mom treated me to what I thought of at the time as the height of luxury. She allowed me to rent an NES game from our nearby video store, Errol's Video. Errol's. Shout out to Errol's. Yes, and the aside here is that Errol's was bought by Blockbuster in the early 90s for $40 million. And with those proceeds, Errol's transformed into an internet service provider. And they were my family's first ISP.
3: Yeah, I had them too.
0: Nice. So, yeah, renting video games, that was something my parents were like, no, like, that's a waste of money. We are not going to pay money for a game you get to play for three days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We will buy you a game. And I was like, that's not the same. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, we're going to begin circling back to Super Mario Brothers 2. But first, another semi aside earlier today, I kind of wondered, how did I, as either a five or six year old, even learn that Super Mario 2 existed. And I have two plausible theories. The first was that I was toddling down the video game rental section at Errol's Video. That's Mm -hmm. theory number one. Theory number two is that I saw something about it in an issue of Nintendo Power. Nintendo's Video Game News and Strategy Magazine, which I like to analogize as sort of smut for 90s kids. (laughs) Yep. And I'm serious when I say that. Like, I would still rather look at an issue of Nintendo Power than a Playboy. Oh, sure. Uh, but, but now let's get back to Super Mario Brothers 2, the game I was so excited to play. I remember that within minutes, I was sobbing, having a total emotional meltdown and tantrum. And earlier this evening, I, I just put on a YouTube walkthrough of the game. God, I love doing that. Uh, <laughs> just, just trying to like think back to why this game broke my, my little spirit. Mm -hmm. And it makes total sense. When the game starts in the first level, you see a shot of the sky, then a door appears, it opens, and then Mario falls out and downward, which is like everything you're not supposed to do in Mario 1. Right. Uh, So I, I bet I felt like I'd lost as soon as I'd started.
3: Oh, all right.
0: Uh, The levels also didn't look like the Mario landscapes, and there was a completely new set of monsters. The comfort of familiarity was just entirely absent. And uh, part of the explanation for that is that Mario 2 wasn't even originally a Mario game at all. It was an existing game called Doki Doki Panic, and the Mario characters were just ported in to create a US-based sequel. There you go. And uh, then the final element I can think of that broke me was that... uh, my little brain could not handle the implications of the fact that you could walk left.
3: Mm, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I just think that that was a lot for, for me to process. <laughs> um, okay. So Mario anecdote number two is, is tied to the super Mario brothers movie released in 1993. Not a winner. The live action movie starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, I saw it in theaters, like and got my mom to take me, and I remember it being creepy and really gross. (laughs) I couldn't follow the plot, and I remember leaving the theater feeling puzzled and disappointed, and then I realized that this is what it felt like when you thought that a movie was bad.
3: Oh, all right. It was like your first bad movie.
0: Yep, exactly. Just a little bit of growing up. And then my third Mario anecdote to share with you has to do with uh, game console demos at Blockbuster Video. And Mario 64 in the 90s at a you know sort of retail or rental rental stores like Blockbuster or Land or Best Buy, there would be demo game consoles to play, which was where I played Mario 64 for the first time. But the demo consoles were so often set on a timer. So after like 10 minutes, the oh. console and the game would reset and then you'd have to yep. start over. And mm. I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is what addiction is.
3: Oh, all right.
0: And uh, t- to uh, to wrap us up with uh, My Little Mario Odyssey, well, that's fun, yeah. <laughs> is that, uh, Paul, you may remember the Mario question I previously explored on this podcast. Where does Mario go when he dies? Mm. I wanted to see if I could get a new take on that question, so I texted our friend, Whammy award-winning rapper Night Train 357, and he replied with the very excellent flex, not sure, because I always have one up. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always. So uh, that's, that's me and Mario. Nice. <laughs> What's going on with you, Paul?
3: Oh, man. Well, I'm still uh, still in the midst of getting settled into this new house. It
0: never ends.
3: Oh, well, I really hope that's not true. I hope it ends at some point soon. Um, I moved
0: into my place like six years ago. I'm still unpacking.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. So there. I had a little bit of a saga last month with the banking institution Wells Fargo, which I guess has a pretty bad reputation. I had never had an account with Wells Fargo before, and I got a new HVAC system and hot water heater when I moved into this house, because the old one was old, and I didn't know what kind of shape it was in, whatever. So I said, let's just start fresh. And The company that I got to install it said, hey, we've got this deal where you could get three years with 0% financing. And I said, well, that sounds like a pretty good idea. I'm spending- Yeah, like a three
0: years for a credit card that you, you get to pay off?
3: Yeah, exactly. And I'm just spending all my money on everything else. Maybe it would be a good idea to like ease up on this one and pay it off in chunks over the next three years. So I said, sure, let's do that. So they gave me an account with Wells Fargo, got it all set up for me, I signed in, and- you have to make the first payment manually, which is fine. You know, so I set it up to connect to my bank and deduct the payment and that worked fine. And then you, you,
0: you said manually and I thought that meant like get a wheelbarrow and, and walk the cash <laughs> to the bank.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's very, very dangerous. But the after you've done one manual payment, then you can set up auto pay. And I was like, oh, well, that's clearly what I want to do. I don't want to ever forget this. It's, you know, a small amount every month. Let's just turn this on. So I go into the website and try to set up auto pay. And I was presented with a question when I was setting it up. Do you want to pay the statement balance or the minimum balance? And there were no dollar amounts next to those two values.
0: Whenever you pay something online, like when you have a balance for, your credit card, there will be statement balance or minimum balance.
3: Yeah. If you make a manual payment, there is that number. But if you're setting up auto pay because they don't quite know what those numbers are going to be every month, it's going to be different. So they don't put those numbers in. So I was confused. And I was raised by a certified financial planner. And I was told from a very early age, you pay off your credit card bill every month. So you don't ever, ever, ever pay the minimum balance. Right. Um, it's a losing game. That, yeah. So... I picked statement balance and I went on my merry way. And then one day I logged in to my bank app on my phone and $20,000 was gone. What? $20,000 was suddenly gone from my checking account. And I freaked out. I was like, what in the heck just happened? And I, I called them up and sure enough, the statement balance is the whole thing. And the minimum balance is what I should have picked. So, I said, well, look, this is this is unfortunate. Uh, can we fix this? And they said, yes, we can reverse this. We could do a partial payment refund. And it's going to take some time. And they wouldn't tell me how much time. They would tell me how much time, but it wasn't true. They kept saying, it'll be five days. It'll be 12 days. And I would call back and I would say, okay, that time has elapsed and nothing has happened. And they'd say, well, it'll be a few more days. And somebody at one point told me 30 days, and that was actually the right number, but nobody else would would cop to that, and it just became so frustrating because this is a lot of money, and we're okay, but a lot of people would be majorly inconvenienced or perhaps devastated by losing this much money all of a sudden when you weren't planning on it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like, Wells Fargo has acknowledged the existence of the concepts of of time and money. Yeah. But don't want to provide what the X
3: and Y values are. Exactly. And one guy actually told me that the refund is going to come through, but then the money will take a few days to show up in your account. And in the meantime, you have to make another payment. And uh, that just broke me. I just was like, wait, so you have all my money and you want more of it? And, and I realized at one point that that getting upset at the people on the phone, that's not actually Wells Fargo. You know, you're not yelling at Mr. Fargo. Oh, no,
0: I, Fargo, no, Mr. Fargo is my father. <laughs> um, I love that joke. Also, there's, there's lots of other stock movie lines, like, from legal dramas, Stern But Fair, or uh, I'll allow it. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I make it a very huge point to, like, try to be the easiest thing that a customer service rep has. But, like, Wells Fargo... I think stole a it tarnished from that scandal some years back of when <laughs> yep. there was, you know, people being like, oh, just opening accounts for everyone and often their grandma kind of thing. Yep. But like that just sound this sounds like bad app and yep. interface design.
3: I think so. And some people have said that it's it's malicious, but I just don't I think it's just you know, bad design. Somebody just didn't code the thing very well. So the the end of the story is that everything is back where it should be and I've set up autopay correctly and everything is fine now. So I come out at the end a winner. But now I have a little story to tell on the podcast about how terrible Wells Fargo is and I recommend that everybody not use them.
0: Oh, uh, I've actually been a Wells Fargo customer since when they still owned Wachovia. <laughs> And that is because I had a job as a summer bank teller at Wachovia, and then they got acquired by Wells Fargo. So it's been Oh Wells ever since. Yeah.
3: Yep. Well, there you go. Hopefully, yeah. they're good to you.
0: Of um, uh, are we now in like the podcast space of shows that are like bashing big business? Because we talked about recently, like Geico's shady <laughs> driver monitoring stuff, and right. You know, like, uh, progressive, just jacking up my rate, like, 80 bucks through no fault of my own. Like, uh, right. meet the new boss, same as the old boss.
3: <laughs> That's right. But we are all champions of the little DC bands that could.
0: And uh, who could we play next, Paul?
3: Next up, Dreamcast Mo.
4: My drone, the way that you grab pressure to Trying to be what I can be, and I'm really from D.C. It's in my heart, it's in the way that I walk and I talk Trying to make more that I needed to be Man, my city going through it really need me to be Something great trying to start, and we gon' ride, Man, I'm in it from the start, never stop Go get the bed, bring it back to the pot. Split it with family and we gon' get far Oh, Steadily, if you take over, I just might drown. The way that you grab pressure through your fingers holding.
0: This Dreamcast mode with a track called Are You Ready?
3: This is one of the advanced singles from Dreamcast Mo's new album Sound is Like Water Part One that came out on July 29th on the legendary Brooklyn label Spectral Sound which is the sister label to Ghostly International. Quite a big deal. Dreamcast Mo is the recording project of singer, songwriter, producer, and DJ Devon Bryant, a lifelong resident of Washington, D.C., which is what we love to hear. There is a really cool music video for this song, which is directed by Marshall Tan and Orlando Urbine. That is a pretty cool portrait of Dreamcast Mo hanging out with his homies. And we love a good music video. Uh, And that is some really watery, cool neat hip hop and the EP is 5 songs long but we are told to stay tuned for part 2
0: Dreamcastmo grew up playing drums in church he's worked dead end jobs had ups and downs even sold off all his gear one time dot 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 also referred to as Drama Dots
3: <laughs> Yes
0: um yeah also you you can now place videos on your Bandcamp page which is fun Yeah honestly i think honestly I kind of don't like it but I I don't know. I I think I get kind of Luddite when, you know, nostalgia, it's a toxic impulse, but, you know, Mm. it feels good.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, you got to get people to see these videos. And if they're just living on YouTube, you know, you want them to be encountered by the people uh, right where they are and listening to the music, hopefully buying the music. Do
0: you think that the innovation of music videos to Bandcamp is tied to Bandcamp's acquisition by Epic Games?
3: Yes. No idea.
0: <laughs> no idea either. Just seems right. something to guess.
3: Yep. Tony, are you ready for more music on this podcast?
0: I am ready for more music on this podcast. Who's up next? Next is The Owners. <laughs> was the owners with a track called red room nights from the owners pandemic demo live at the black cat by the owners
3: the owners are dante and Catherine ferrando owners of the black cat along with laura harris also of the band xx and alec budd also of the shirks and the problematics
0: This track, Red Room Nights, comes from the EP Pandemic Demo, recorded live at the Black Cat in 2021. You can buy it for six bucks on Bandcamp. Uh, They had a bunch of open dates during the last couple of years. Good time to use that stage to record some music. And, uh, you know, they say play what you know, and gosh, do they know it well,
3: you know? (laughs) I recently saw the owners play at Fort Reno. On the last show of the season, along with Koshari and a solo set from Ted Leo, which was kind of a big deal. Oh, wow. it was a really good show. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. A lot of people came out for that one.
0: I did like trying to keep up with all the lyrics in Red Room Nights about all the things that happen at the Black Cat. Favorite (laughs) beer for the band starts. I think there's pool, jukebox. Is there pinball? Maybe I'm just making things up. But, uh, you know, I'm climbing up a burning rope here, folks.
3: (laughs) Definitely, um, definitely catnip for people that have been to a lot of shows at the Black Cat in DC over the many years.
0: Thank you, the owners.
3: <laughs> Tony, who's up next?
0: Paul, who is next, is Cinema Hearts. with Cinema Hearts with a track called Your Ideal.
3: This is the title track from the new EP by Cinema Hearts, fronted by singer and former beauty pageant contestant Caroline Weinroth. We first featured Cinema Hearts on the music video blog way back in 2016, and it has been so fun to see Caroline's progression as a musician and also as a pageant contestant.
0: And I just learned from Caroline's Twitter that she completed her first pageant as a joke, and look where we are now. (laughs) <laughs> uh, also your ideal was on the front page of bandcamp yesterday and this was so exciting for her because bandcamp was the first place where she ever shared her music
3: bandcamp is the place to get this ep on digital cd or vinyl And uh, there is this bit of text about the project. Cinema Hearts, your ideal EP chronicles the experience of competing in the world of Miss America pageants. A former Miss Virginia contender, Carolyn Weinroth crafts songs about the loneliness, frustration, and cutthroat drive it took to win and then lose on the glitzy pageant stage. Here, haunting harmonies soar over searing electric guitar and dreamy synthesizers produced by Bartiz Strange, who also lent his hand in synths and guitar parts on the project.
0: Real neat. Uh, Caroline is also uh, routinely, regularly involved in the Girls Rock DC program, the summer camp devoted to, you know, showing girls how to rock. And uh, (laughs) she tweeted on August 5th that she performed at Girls Rock DC and one of my campers sang my song back
3: to me. That's cute. That is awesome. So heartwarming.
0: Also, uh, you can catch Cinema Hearts Live at their album release show on Friday, September 23rd at Comet Ping Pong. She writes, you know me, it's going to be dramatic.
3: (laughs) Also on that lineup are Flower Bomb and Grady, both bands that I have actually seen play live recently, and I can recommend both.
0: I am looking forward to going to that show.
3: Yeah, me too. There is also a music video for this song, Dramatizing the Beauty Pageant Lifestyle, and it is directed by Mitchell Worley, who I now know through the Vinyl Anonymous group organized by Dan ABH of Flower Bomb.
0: Oh, the muddler himself.
3: (laughs) It's awesome to know the nerdy vinyl music people.
0: So who is next on this week's podcast, Paul? Tell me, tell me, tell me.
3: Next up is Tunnel.
2: Tell
0: me the truth
2: I'll think you're lying Give me a sign
1: This once
0: This tunnel with a track called Lemonhead. Tunnel is the music of Natasha Genfaza of the group Taciturn, with backing help from Danny Saperstein, formerly a Flasher, own Worker of Bless, and Brandon Canty of Deathfix, Super Solar Haze, The Aesthetics, and Fugazi. Natasha is based in LA, but this project comes way of DC, so it's in.
3: The single comes from Vanilla, the new album by Tunnel that came out on July 15th. You can buy it on Bandcamp via digital or limited edition cassette for $10. Well, listen, if for a strange reason uh, you also liked black metal, Jen Faza has also released black metal music under the moniker Solitary Vice. So go look for that on Bandcamp if black metal is your jam.
0: Paul, what is your Solitary Vice?
3: right now sweet tarts really you've gone back to sweet tarts there somehow a bag of sweet tarts made it into my life and i'll eat like two and then i'll eat two more and then i'll eat six total and then after that i'm like i feel gross i need to stop
0: now are you eating them out of like the the paper package or are you doing it out of like the the plastic roll
3: I'm, it's like one of the big like jumbo sized bags Okay. And Yeah, and it's just a problem. I got to get through this bag.
0: I, I I think it's hilarious that you are talking about this vice of you consuming these tiny, tiny
3: candies. <laughs> Man, they pack a punch.
0: I, I really appreciate Sweet Tarts for... Gosh, I know it's gross, but I love the chalkiness.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's gross.
0: 100%. <laughs> also of... I, I always enjoy myself when I need to drink a little Pepto-Bismol. It's like drinking
3: bubble gum. <laughs> I hope that's not your solitary vice. Uh, sometimes it is. All right. Well, there you go. It's got to do it. And that almost takes us to the end of this episode of the Hometown Sounds podcast. Uh, please subscribe to it or follow it in the podcast app of your choice. And if you're digging what we're doing, then leave us a review or rating there. We'd love that.
0: Digging what? You, digging what we're doing. That's right.
3: Um, If social media is your jam, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hometown Sounds. The website is hometownsoundsdc.com. And our email address is dj at hometownsoundsdc.com. Send us your love. Send us your music. But really, of course, the important thing is to support the musicians that you've heard on this podcast by buying their music. And seeing them play live. Let's give the folks one last song on our way out the door on this episode. We're going to play you a song by Strip Mall Ballads. And the song I've chosen is called I'll See the Elephant Now.
0: So then you're letting the elephant in the room, I
3: guess. <laughs> the elephant is in the room, and we are now acknowledging it. Strip Mall ballads is Phillips' Sailor Wiser, outsider folk music from the odd state of Maryland, USA.
0: Since 2002, Weiser has been an active figure in the folk underground, as half of the widely celebrated old-time group The Shiftless Rounders... And also as the touring banjoist with IBMA award-winning King Wilkie.
3: This song comes from the ten-song album Laundromat that you can buy on Bandcamp for um one hundred dollars. Intriguing price. Yeah. Okay. That's you could value your music at whatever you want, and that is kind of a lot. But anyway, this is a lost field recording. Made one night in twenty sixteen in an empty farmhouse in rural Maryland, rediscovered and mixed in twenty twenty one.
0: I'm so curious about what it means to have lost a field recording. (laughs) Is it you just forgot about it on a hard drive or did you lose the hard drive?
3: Or you just forget where you put it. Right. There's, and maybe that's the, not the good part of the story, you know? The the good part is that we found it and it came out, and this sounds really good. The whole album is amazing, Um, very highly recommended. This song that I've chosen is his interpretation of Lucy Mollen by Tom Lucas of the Crooked Jades from San Francisco.
0: Well, I sure had fun doing this podcast with you tonight, Paul.
3: <laughs> Me too, and hope everybody had fun listening to it. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Tony.
0: Thank you all, Paul.
3: And we'll see you all next time.